Hey, Straya, how are you going? Hey, Gam, it is NBA Straya. It's Thursday, February 10. Trade deadline's here, mate. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes. For whomstever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet booze money here in Larry Armour Studios, hanging out, keeping you completely up to date with all the ins and outs of the NBA while repping Straya a bit. And it's a sad one tonight. I'm a sad panda. A little bit. Jingling Joe Ingles was traded away by the Utah Jazz. Aw. Our beloved Jingling Joe. He's off to Portland, part of a three-team trade. Uh, we'll talk about that in today's show. The other trade that happened as well. Simmons for Harden Talk is heating up. I'm going to break that down. Uh, we've also got all of today's games in the NBA Straight Game Wraps, including an absolute disaster of a loss for the Lakers to a Blazers team that has literally traded away 98% of their half-decent players. So, rough scenes there for LA. Uh, we've got a juicy slap, but that's not a knife. Oh, mate, no, mate. Spot of the night, better than Lonzo Ball. We've got yeah, Nas. We've got the unpopular opinion of the day. We've got our back takehouse. Where we're serving up a special guest sous chef Jez flame-grilled take. That's right, special guest take. I like that one. Uh, the Australian Player Watch, Kiwi Corner, the game previews and picks for tomorrow, and that'll be it. Because uh, it's going to be a late one today anyway, so... We'll just leave it at that. We might just chuck in a uh, cooking with Baines on the end. How's that sound? Good. We'll try to do a diary of Stephen Adams tomorrow. Right, all right, let's get to it. Episode 755 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Ah, uh, you better. I don't know, Shane Hill got a bit of a drive-by today. I enjoyed that. Um, the Trobe Financial doing like a chat with Shaq. Uh, was asked about who his favorite player was, and he said Steph because he reminded him of Shane the Hammer Heel. Oh, man, that's pretty good. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. He's just Aussie. He's just American Hammer, is Steph. Anyway, all right, let's get stuck into today's show, the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the daily whip around. That's right, jingles. Trade. We kind of knew it was coming. As soon as jingles got hurt, and actually, to be honest, before jingles got hurt, his production, not wildly over the top this year. And one of their sort of few trade assets there in Utah. And as soon as he hurt his knee, you're like, oh, geez, that's a lot of money for Utah to be carrying and not do something with it uh, as they try and try to right their season. And that's what happened today. So he gets sent to, well, this is it, the three-way deal. Portland get the pride of Happy Valley, Jinglin' Joe Ingles, Elijah Mitchell, and a second-round pick. The Spurs weasel their way into it, and they get Tomas Sadoransky and a second-rounder. And the Yaz, it's a soft J. In exchange for that, they get Nikki Alexander-Walker. Love Nikhail Alexander-Walker. Good a bit of time. I'm going to talk about this later. But um, And they also pick up, uh, there's only one Hernan Gomez. One show, Hernan Gomez from the Spurs. Um, those second rounders, the Yaz are sending the Blazers, the second rounder from Memphis, and they're sending the Spurs a 2027 second rounder. Pretty gnarly, pretty interesting. Uh, Portland, this is just more sort of salary dump vibes. They love a bit of that. Uh, 
Now they're just going to get rid of Nurk by tomorrow, and away we go. Speaking of which, with the 7 a.m. trade deadline tomorrow, it's going to be crazy. Who else is going to be up at, like, you know, 4, 5, watching it all tick over? Certainly will be me. <laughs> God. Ah, oh, woke up angry this morning anyway. Just, like, could barely get to sleep. The squid woke up at some point. It's just, you know, one of those crappy broken sleeps, you know. Hashtag dad life. But anyway, other trade today as well. Miami and OKC. OKC get Casey Okpala from the Miami Heat. The Heat get the second rounder from uh, 2026 from OKC. And I believed OKC changed some of the protections on one of the first rounders the Heat owe them. Uh, which is pretty cool, pretty weird. Pushing it back to like another year or two. Which is pretty weird. So it means Miami can actually use their first rounder in a trade, I think. So... OKC also going, yeah, we don't need another first rounder like next year, and you guys are pretty good, so fine, we'll take your 2025 one instead of 2023. Sound good? And Miami like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, some other stuff floating out there. Right, the Pacers, don't rec- well, they reckon they don't want to trade Buddy Hield, having just picked him up. Uh, sure thing, Pacers, we all believe you. Wink, wink. The Kings similarly say that they're keeping Harrison Barnes. They also said the other day, like that they were, there was no chance in hell they would trade Tyrese Halliburton, and here we are. Uh, the tricky part for the Kings is obviously, so they get a big win today over the Wolves. Harrison Barnes plays his ass off in the uh, please, please, please trade me kind of move, last ditch effort. <laughs> Someone pay overs, but the Kings with the Suvlaki King trade feel like they've got enough now to make a push for the play-in tournament. Everybody else in the NBA is like, are you guys fucking high? And the Kings are like, well, to be honest, maybe. <laughs> That's no business of yours. And uh, B, blow it out your ass. <laughs> so here we are. Like The Kings are sort of right there. They're only, what, two and a half games, yeah, two and a half games back of the Pelicans. Who knows what's going to happen with the Wolves, the Clippers, the Nuggets, etc., the Pelicans, the Lakers. Oh, geez, because guess what? Oh, yeah, you know it. The Lakers stink! They really do. But, I mean, they've still got to sort of fight off Portland and get in there. And, uh, look, Sacramento, this might be the turning point. Who knows? Kind of funny. Off we go. If they keep Harrison Barnes, it uh, keeps that dream alive, I guess. Other news. Russell Westbrook sat out today's horrible Lakers loss. The Lakers stink! And turns out today it wasn't because of Rusty. (laughs) 100% Rusty was, like, out the back going... Oh, yeah? How's this one my fault, dickheads? Anyway, uh, Dave McMenamin was saying the team's sources have told him that Rusty has to be traded. We're going to rip the Band-Aid off. Bill Aram from The Athletic was saying the sources have indicated the Lakers no longer believe they can win at a high level with Westbrook. I love that. Oh, we can't win at a high level. Were you winning at a low level? What are you doing? (laughs) You're the nine seeds. (laughs) When were you winning at a high level? I love it. Uh, and his report sort of went on to say that they'd prefer to wait to the offseason uh, when they could actually use their 2029 pick. You fucking... I hate this. I. It's the big downside of following the NBA is when motherfuckers start talking about 2029 and you're like, that's nearly the 2030s. In my brain, I'm still like a little bit freaked out that we're past 2010. You know what I'm saying? And it's 2022. I've had 12 years to get used to that and I'm still not fucking there. Like, I still remember being, like, weirded out. They were, oh, there's teams clearing out cap space for 2010. <laughs> That's when LeBron went to the fucking eight. That was about a fucking million years ago. Anyway, uh, Rusty basically was saying that uh, the tone after the loss uh, yesterday, and it's going to get 
pretty fucking bad, pretty fucking quick, I reckon, if you're Rusty Westbrook. The John Wall move is sitting there. You know, that, that may or may not happen. If they can pick up Eric Gordon, maybe something else from the uh, Rockets, maybe they shall. But, man, that is a rough situation there for the Lakers because... The Lakers stink! They do. Larry Nance Jr. having surgery on his knee. So that's a new Pelican. Part of that trade yesterday with CJ McCollum. Uh, so he had been out, and they're going to do a little bit of exploratory surgery on your knee. That's never a great vibe, but it looks like he's going to be at least another six weeks away. Who knows where Zion is? Literally nobody apparently does for the Pelicans, so that's great. Uh, but that sort of stinks, but as long as the Pelicans can kind of keep their uh, noses in that play-in tournament. If they get Larry Nance back, maybe they get Zion back. Who knows what could happen down the uh, road. And the other little bits and bobs. So out there, there's talks floating around. So Harden for Simmons, as I said. It's getting weird, it's getting funky, and it's getting loud. So, turns out there's like four or five teams, it's like a sort of revolving door of like uh, Brooklyn, Philly, OKC, Indy, and like other teams. Uh, With Ben Simmons, Seth Curry to Brooklyn with picks, Harden goes to Philly. Philly going to try to like grab Buddy Heald from Indy to replace Seth Curry. And they might still also be getting rid of Tobias Harris and sending him off to OKC, uh, which is pretty interesting. It also makes you wonder, like, why Philly... Look, we understand that Philly need uh, shooting, 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 shooting. If you are getting Harden (laughs) to replace Ben Simmons, who's not playing at the moment, don't forget. I mean, you've got a bit of uh, half-decent shooting. But, of course, Heald on the Sixers has been, like, one of the... uh, Low-hanging fruit. You go, that'd be an amazing move. What are you doing? Sort it out. Uh, but here we are, right? We're, this is Thursday afternoon, Australia time, heading into 5 p.m. Uh, the trade deadline's 7 a.m. our time tomorrow. The Sixers, the Nets, have reportedly had talks. And the fact that that's even happening means that the Nets are scared. It's the Nets are going, oh, Fuck. Harden might actually just bounce this offseason if we keep him. He's sitting out with his sore hammy at the moment. Where there's smoke, there's fire. You know? And this is where we are. So the Sixers apparently refused to include Tyrese Maxey in a deal with the Nets. The Nets are like, all right, well, fuck you. Give us Simmons, give us Curry, give us Matty T, and give us Andre Drummond. Which makes sense from the Nets side because they're giving up, you know, a player who's better than any of those other players right now. I love me some Matty T. Uh, apparently, a deal like that, of that size, so Simmons, Curry, Tybalt, and Drummond, would actually maybe send Patty Thrills, Patty Mills to Philly. Maybe that's your Buddy Heald replacement. You know? Uh, the Sixers are apparently hesitant to include Seth Curry. You do get the feeling, though, that this is just gamesmanship, and if it comes to make or break, they'll just go, fuck it. We can always try to replace shooting from Seth, and uh, if we get Patty Mills, we've already done that. So... Basically, they're talking about a Simmons for Harden trade. It's trending towards, in my brain, something happening. I'm going to talk about that again in Yenars. Um, basically, the Nets are like, right, we've seen this. We've seen the writing on the wall. As much as Steve Nash wants to talk to James Harden, we know that James Harden is actually a massive fucking prick uh, who's talking out the side of his mouth with his weird beard and his weird fucking mouth. Like, just take a quick look at James Harden. You're like, oh, yeah, that's why he grew a beard. I get it. I've got a beard. Don't get me wrong. Same vibes. <laughs> I'm st- I'm talking from experience. Uh, but this is them just going, we can't trust a word this moron says. Like, he wanted to fucking retire a Houston Rocket. 
and here he is hanging out with his mates, and he fucking hates them. This is all Kyrie's fault, by the way. Because uh, Kyrie's just like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to take a vaccine, bro. And Harden's like, this fucking guy. I hate him. I hate him so much. I'm out of here. KD's just sitting up, not my problem, bro, and bouncing. That's good leadership. And uh, here we are. And I'm basically assuming it's going to happen overnight. It'll be, you know, be one of those sort of uh, 5 a.m. Australia time dealies a couple of hours before the uh, deadline so they can get it all sorted. But, yeah, Seth Curry in a first rounder alongside Matty T. Who knows what could happen? Simo for Harden. Patty Thrill's in there as well. I think the final shape will be Harden and Mills for Simo, Curry, Matty T, and a first rounder from uh, Philly. And that's where we're going to land. I'm just saying it now. Right. Lots of time, though, between now and uh, the trade deadline, though. (laughs) Should be bloody good. Right. Let's do the game pre- uh, game wraps from today. Game wraps, 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 game wraps. Game wraps. All right. San Antonio got their ass handed to them by Cleveland. Cleveland. 105-92. Sweet baby carrots are lined up for his new team. Love that. Uh, interesting one here. The Spurs got a big early. They actually had all the running early. And then the Cavs just sort of took control. Darius Rucker, Judy Garland got going, and they were never really threatened again. Like, there are a couple of little runs here and there. And then right down the stretch, like, Mobley, Allen, and Darius Garland, they just got it clicking. They smoked them. Like, and this is the problem with the Spurs. Like, if DeJunte Murray's not absolutely tearing it up, they have just not enough weapons to fight back in a game like that. The Spurs were held to seven points over the last six and a half minutes of this game. Cavs run away with it. Uh, DeJunte Murray, he had 17, 6, and 9, but he shot 7 of 17. Derek White had 17 points. 18 points for Calvin Johnson. He shot 7 of 21. Calvin Johnson! Shooting 7 of 21. Unbelievable. Devin Vassell had 18 off the bench as well. Couldn't hit a 3. And that's kind of the problem. They went 8 of 33 from downtown. They shot 38% as a team. The Spurs, it's just a bit of just punishment sometimes to watch them. Especially when they get going early. And like they were right there with the Cavs. And then Cleveland. Cleveland! Sort of kicked in the afterburners and off they went. Dougie McBucket stunk it up. Teenage Mutant Yaka Pertle had 7 points, 11 rebounds, and 3 blocks, but just not enough across the board. Because uh, meanwhile, the Cavs, Garland, Darius Judy Garland, 27-6 assists, 6 turnovers, but he shot 12 of 15. Garland, 12 of 15, 3 of 3 from downtown. Evan Mobley at 18 and 12. Go the Fro had 15 and 14. Isaac Okoro was awesome. Felt like every time you turned your head, Okoro was doing something sick again. Uh, he went 4 of 6 from the floor, 2 of 2 from downtown for his 14 and 4. Kevin Love couldn't buy a bucket. Uh, went 3 of 13. Uh, he had 7 points, 7 re- uh, 10 rebounds. And my sweet baby, Carrots Levert. Good to see him out there doing great things. 11 points on 11 shots. But he was a plus 8. And Chetty Osman, pretty handy too with his 8. But uh, good win for the Cavs. Uh, that's 7 straight at home now. But sort of just to take care of that pesky Spurs team. They're 34 and 21. They're like a game back of the Bucks. That's insane. Meanwhile, the Spurs languishing 20 and 35. Chicago sorted out Charlotte 121-109. Kind of predicted this one yesterday. Uh, with Vooch and those perimeter weapons of Chicago, uh, if they had to make Charlotte's D sweat, Charlotte's offense probably would try to keep up. And if Chicago's defense was just half decent enough, they'd slap him down. And that's exactly what happened. Because, look, no Gordy Hayward. He's out indefinitely with that ankle. Uh where he got foul on, as I mentioned, what, two days ago. And the Hornets just kept playing. 
and then he got ran into while he was still on the fucking ground under the opposition basket in the next play. Unbelievable. Anyway, uh, but without Hayward and without them being at full strength, like their defense has just got some pretty crucial holes in it at the moment, and they just got strong-armed out of the way in this game in the second quarter. It was just like, this was really, like it was a fun, fast-flowing sort of game. And then Levine and DeMar just went, oh, wait, we can sort of do whatever the fuck we want against this Charlotte team, can't we? And that's what happens when you're starting a backcourt of like LaMelo Ball, Terry Rousey. And in this game, they do uh, start Kelly Oubre, did the Hornets, and yeah, you're going to get toasted. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, like LaMelo had a big third quarter, sort of kept them slightly in touch. But then, and like there was another run sort of towards the end of the third, but the Bulls always had an answer and just sort of kept them at arm's length the rest of the game. Like minutes here and there, late in the game where the Hornets sort of just uh, gave a little kick of life into it. Great. Great setup with the uh, amazing throwback court. I still love that Hornets court, but wow. Troy Brown hits the seal of three that was just Packer up boys territory. And look, the Bulls had so much from DeMar, Levine, and Vooch. And Troy Brown and Malcolm Hill off the bench hitting a couple of threes was all the difference. So Lamello goes for 33, 9, and 5. He was awesome. He shot 12 of 25, 5 of 10 from deep. Yeah, 22, 5, and 5 for Miles Bridges. Just that big body fill in the lane. That's what he does. 19 in points, 4 rebounds for Kelly Oubre. Classic Kelly Oubre, zero assists. I love it. I'm going to take 19 shots, zero assists. He shot eight of 19. Uh, Terry Rose had 18 shots. Six of 18 he went. Oof. Two of 11 from downtown, 16 and six. And PJ Hamilton, Washington. Now, there's a dude who's gone completely off the boil this year. Uh, two of seven for him. He was uh, not good. The Bulls went 16 of 33 from downtown. DeMar DeRozan there. 36, 5, and 4. He was unbelievable. Levine was awesome. 27, 7, and 5. They kept remarking, oh, it's a pretty quiet 27. It's like, have you been watching? Like, he's just, every time they need a bucket, he's there. <laughs> what are you talking about quiet? He went 5 of 10 from 3. Uh, Vooch had 18, 5, and 8. Just did exactly what was needed of him. And Kobe, Kobe White, had 15 uh, as well. So Charlotte, they dropped the 28 and 28 now. It's uh, going to be dicey there. They just can't sort of get a win. And as the injuries sort of pile up, it's only going to get harder. So 28 and 28. What They've lost like six on the trot now, haven't they? Yeah, six. Jesus. Hornets, what are you doing? Meanwhile, Chicago back in the winner's circle, 34 and 21. Same as Cleveland. That is amazing. Cleveland! OKC battled manfully against the Raptors, but ended up getting shit-pumped. 117-98. It was Poku time. Poku was awesome in this one. Uh, but the Raps, even on, look, on the road, just showed out how good their starting five could be and just fucking strangulated OKC. Uh, like, there were a couple of moments. The Thunder would go on a run, but the Thunder, look, if Dort's not hitting shots, uh, yeah. Like, they don't have SGA. Giddy's not a score first point guard. He's not going to go out there and give you 30. Not at this point of his career. As a rookie, <laughs> give it another couple of years, uh, and yeah, so it's going to be tough for them to fight back, and that's exactly what happened. Like the Thunder would make those runs. The Raps always had a bit of an answer, like whether it be an OG and an OB three or Fred Van Vliet three, Gary Trent's Tarby Junior. He'd hit a three. Like they got close late, and then Gary's just like, "Nah, I got this one," and that's where you miss SGA and Co. So. Raps end up running away with it. Poku, though, ends up with 18 points, four rebounds, four steals, two blocks. He went four of five from downtown and shot seven of nine. Poku, four steals, two blocks, defensive menace. He looks like a fucking orange on the toothpick, but still. Actually, it's not even an orange. It's like a banana on a toothpick. 
because he's got that weird thin head and no chin. <laughs> Giddy up! Had 13 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. He was pretty, 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 pretty good. He shot 6 of 11. Uh, had some nice little moments. Classic sort of uh, giddy game. 15 points on 4 of 14 shooting for Dort. And Teo Maladon ends up with 18. 13 eight for Baisley and Ty Jerome. Kenny Williams was handy, but went 0 of 5 from downtown. That sort of sunk him. Uh, the Raps, look, they were awesome. 51% they shot over. Uh, that's 10% better than the Thunder. That's always handy. Siakam was incredible again. 27 points, 16 rebounds, 5 assists, a steal, and a block. He shot 13 of 17. 21 and 6 assists for Fred Van Vliet, the fighting Van Vliet. 6 of 14 from 3. Unbelievable. Gary Trent's Derby Jr. 16 points, 5 steals. Doing it on both ends. Oh, geez, we better trade him for Norm Powell. Great job, Blazers. Yeah, you did a good one there. Trading away the uh, super young dude. For the old dude that you then have to salary dump. 15, 10, and 2 for the OG Ananobi. Hit 3 3. Scotty B, Scotty Barnes, 17 points, 4 assists. And Chris Bobby Boucher was handy off the bench. Not much else off that bench, though, for the Raps. Uh, but their starters are so good, it doesn't matter. OKC, okay, 17 and 37. Toronto, 30 and 23. Golden State got killed. Oh, they got straight killed, didn't they? He got straight killed. By Utah, 111.85. They opened off the game on a 13 zip run, did the Warriors. And then it all went fucking upside down after that. So 13-zip run, the rest of the half was 55-36 jazz. <laughs> Holy shit. It would have been worse, but Steph flipped in a uh, floater just as time expired at the half, and they needed that. Uh, the jazz bench were really good. Stepped in, got them firing in their first half. Like they, I think Hassan White had like six blocks in the first half as well. And then boom, start of the third quarter. The Warriors take the lead. Eight-zip run. Threes from Poole and Curry. Off they go. Warriors look like they're rolling. And then the Jazz just went, yeah, nah. Boom. 11-1 run by the Jazz. They smoke some threes. Away they go. Turns out it didn't stop. It just didn't stop. They rip off a 34-9 run, the Jazz. Take control of the game. Steph's out of it by the start of the fourth quarter. Pack her up, boys. It's all over. The Warriors on the start of a back-to-back look like they're on the second half of one. So it's not a great idea for the Warriors, but here we are. So that's why Clay wasn't playing, because he's going to play tomorrow. That way he could stay in Golden State. And, uh, yeah, Steph ends up with 16 on 5 of 13 shooting. Poole goes 5 of 14. I'm, I'll just tell you right now, I'm no math magician, but your two sort of best shooting guards here in this game, combining to go 10 of 27 from the floor, not great. Yeah. We go had 13 points, 12 points for come bucket Jonathan Kaminga. JTA, there's only one. Toscano Anderson, 11 points. But yeah, they were roadkill in the second half. Like after that start, it's just the Jazz crowd got hype. Donnie Mitchell's hitting threes. Off they went and uh, pack her up, boys. They went 17 to 51 from three of the years. They out rebounded them 52 to 35 as well. Yikes. Bojan was like a bit hit or miss, but he ends up with 23. Donnie Mitchell almost, uh, so the Jazz losing their minds about like, you know, a potential triple-double on the day that they trade Jinglin' Joe Ingles, who I always thought would put up the first Jazz triple-double since Carlos Boozer did it against my beloved Supersonics uh, like 13 years ago, I think it was, 14 years ago. And um, Donnie Mitchell ends up with 14, 10, and 8. Oh, Soklos, Soklos. And everyone's like, oh, did you think about going back in? And he's like, what? No. <laughs> Settle down. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, 19, 9 points, 17 rebounds. 2 assists, 7 blocks. He was uh, threatening a triple-double there as well, obviously. 
13, 6, and 3 for Mike Conley. Jordan Jeremy Clarkson shot 5 and 14. He had 13 points, but gave him a little boost there. And I'll tell you what, Doc as a Biuke. 11 points, 5 rebounds, and a block. He went 5 and 5 from the floor. I love him. Just his like, fifth start. Trenton Forrest was good. 11 points for him, 5 assists. He shot 5 of 9. Jazz feeling good, feeling great. The Warriors up to 41 and 14. Utah up to 34 and 21. And then we had Minnesota losing in Sacramento, 132-119. The Suvlaki King, Demarcus Sabonis. Oh, yeah, give us the combination, mate. Thanks, Demarcus. Yeah, I'll have the... Uh, give me some extra tomato, extra lettuce. Yeah, cheese, mate. Oh, yeah, easy on the galaxy. Oh, I got a bit of chili. Tell you what, the Suvlaki King, Demarcus Sabonis, in that Sacramento jersey... Nah. <laughs> so, I'm just like, ah, it just doesn't look that great. A, that jersey just looks a bit shit, but uh, at the same time, it's going to take a little while for me to get used to it. But he and Darren Fox look fucking good together. Like, Suvlaki King's out there throwing lobs in his first game, like up to Rashawn Holmes and dudes. Uh, this game was off its rocker as well. Like, Minnesota, like, this was basically tied with four minutes to go. And the Sacramento Kings just gave him the clamps. You want, him, you want me to use these clamps? And that's exactly what they did. It was wild. Like, you had different dudes on the Kings. Like, uh, Davion Mitchell just really helping shut down, like, the uh, perimeter dudes on the Wolves in that last in that fourth quarter. Yeah, Darren Fox just hitting some big shots. Harrison Barnes knocking in four out of five threes. Suvlaki King orchestrating it all. It was awesome. What a game. And the Wolves are on fire, too. So the Wolves end up losing this uh, despite sort of just dominating early. And then Sacramento had a big second quarter. Look like they're going to get back into it. Wolves fight back, and then boom, the Kings land the fucking just punishing last blow in the fourth. That scored them 33-18 in the fourth. And this was just wildly fun. Like, it was just a fun game. And, like, Sacramento, like, they didn't know what to do. <laughs> it was great. Uh, D'Lo at 29-10. and 10, That's assists. He went 6-13 from three. And then went missing late uh, when it mattered. You love that, D'Angelo. Ant-Man had 26 points on 25 shots. Ouch. One assist and two turnovers. Thanks, Anthony. Carl Anthony Towns at 21-7-8. and eight. He was pretty good. And then again, late. It's like, come on. Who's going to step up? And the answer was, nobody. 8-11 for Jared Vanderbilt. Not much else off the bench, especially. Malik Beasley goes 2-9. of nine. Naz Reed, 2-5. of five. Saw in the Red Bull Prince and Jordan McLaughlin, like 1-4 of four each. And it's just, ugh. Wolves just sort of fell apart when they least uh, could have afforded to. The Kings, Suvlaki King. He is the Suvlaki Kings. Suvlaki Kangs. There you go. 22 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists in his first Kings game. That's awesome. 10 of 19 shooting. I love him. Harrison Barnes goes for 30 and 8. 4 of 5 from downtown, as mentioned. 8 of 11 overall shooting. Yeah, he went 10 of 10 at the free throw line. That's pretty bloody good. Darren Fox, 27 points. Davion Mitchell, like, Fox was good as well, like, hitting those nice little runners in the uh, lane, etc., and just sort of stepped up when needed. Davion Mitchell, 18-7-7 from the bench. He was great. And it's one of those things where you go, if Davion Mitchell can just do this all the time, and Darren Fox does this all the time, then that's where you can say, ah, well, that's why we had to trade Tyrese Halliburton. I'm still angry. Because Fox is not going to do this all the time. And the classic Fox thing is, like, I'll score 27, we'll lose by 20. Uh, Chimezi Meto had 13 and 5. Sleepy Eyes, Jeremy Lamb also started his, uh, well, played his first game for the Kangs and went 3 of 8 from downtown. 14 points. Good on him. Juzzy Holiday did not cover himself in uh, glory, though, in his first one. So, oh boy. Uh, we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so, good win for the Kings. Like, that starts off their new era 
on a high note at least, but who knows? It's Sacramento, so it's all going to fucking fall apart in two days anyway. So the Wolves dropped to 29 and 26. Their five-game win streak's over. Sacramento now 21 and 36. And away we go. Excited? I know I am. And then finally, the Lakers. Oh, the Lakers. The Lakers stink! They really do, Stephen A. That was just an absolute embarrassment against this Blazers team. Uh, so no Rusty, as mentioned. Portland win at 109-107. Uh, it's even that close because LeBron hit a meaningless three at the buzzer. Uh, but an undermanned Portland playing their guts out against a Lakers team that still has LeBron, still has Anthony Davis, you love to see it. Like, you love to see it! Unless you're a Lakers fan. This is fucking hilarious. Like, this was close as hell through the first half. Blazers went at them hard in the third. They just stuck with them. And that was the problem. The Lakers could never shake them. They thought they could. They thought, it's like... It really did feel like the Lakers were like, ah, oh, well, this Portland team barely want to be here. Fuck it. We'll just stomp them. And they never did. Like, the Lakers are up with, what, one with five minutes left, but they were down like nine just before that. And then they just shit the bed. Like spud in train spotting or something. Like, it was just horrible. Like, LeBron with Anthony Davis, they just shit everywhere in that bed. It was horrible. Turnovers, Avery Bradley just stinking up the joint. THT stinking it up. And they couldn't do anything. The flip side, like Portland were trying their hardest to give this game away at times. And then Penny Simons just started knocking in threes. Absolute scenes there in Portland. They loved it. I loved it. And the Lakers just made an absolute fucking fool of themselves against a team that has pretty much spent the last week trading away all their good players, apart from Yusuf Nurkic at this point, and their young dudes like Penny Simons. So awesome stuff. I absolutely loved it. I uh, trust that everyone out there who isn't a Lakers fan, and even some Lakers fans are going to go, all right, well, this very clearly means that we have to do something. <laughs> and you watch this game, you're like, I don't know if uh, Talon Horton Tucker and your 2027 first rounder is uh, going to help matters too much. So they had 21 turnovers, the Lakers. They got out-rebounded by Portland. You're out there basically starting, you know, like Yusuf Nurkic and... Not much else, bro. Like, it was, uh, as I said, embarrassing. Like, Anthony Davis getting seven rebounds is just, what is going on here? He got out-rebounded by Justice Winslow. Anyway, uh, for the Lakers, LeBron ends up with 37-7 and seven with three steals. But the problem was six turnovers. Even he just had some, like, weird head scratches. Uh, just a weird sequence towards the end as well that kept him right in it at the end where he just gave up on a play, let his team play four-on-five defense, which is always just the sign of a great leader, uh, to stay back and have a whinge and moan at the uh, refs rather than get back and help your team. Uh, Ends up getting two points out because Anthony Davis gets like the uh, sort of bumbled ball under the basket and just hoists it back down, uh, down the court. AD ends up with only 17 points, doesn't take a shot late, ends up 11, 8 of 11, Seven rebounds, six assists, five blocks. Does a little bit of everything except for help them win the game at the end. THT has 14.7 assists, but absolutely brutal offensive turnover late. He had four turnovers as well. He went four or six from downtown. 11 to six for Stanley Johnson. Bradley and Ariza stink. I mean, Wayne, Wayne O'Ellington came in and hit three or six from downtown. Reeves was all right, but Ariza, Bradley, and Monk just couldn't buy a bucket and... Uh, Monk kept turning the ball over. It was just like really shitty, dumb turnovers as well for the Lakers where, yeah, they just underestimated the Blazers. That's what happens. The Blazers, Penny Simons is incredible. 29 points, 5 assists. He went 11-23 from the floor. 
knocked in five eleven threes. Nineteen twelve and three for Nurk. Hello, Joseph Nurkic. Yes, Bosnian beer. I'm here to kick ass for the Lakers. I mean, of kick ass of the Lakers. Yes, uh, eleven points, eight rebounds, three assists, and four steals for Justice Carl Winslow. You love that, Blevins. Blevins. Eight points, two of four from three. Thrift shot went three of thirteen. <laughs> And Ellaby with some of the greatest hair in the NBA. 4 of 11 as well. They were just dangerous, though. They just kind of got these shitty, weird little buckets here and there. Dennis Smith Jr., though, was my favorite. 7 points, 2 rebounds, 11 assists, and 6 steals. If anybody wants to join me up here on my floating Dennis Smith Jr. castle in the clouds, you can. I still love him. It's great to see him smashing it. The Lakers are 26 and 30. The Lakers stink! And the Blazers are 22 and 35. All right, let's do an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Ah, you want a knife? That's not a knife. This is a fucking. That's a knife. Penny Simons. Anthony Penny Simons. What a game against the Lakers. Steps up 29 points, 5 assists, 11 and 23 from the floor, 5 of 11 from downtown. He's young as shit and has balls of fucking steel. What a game. He was incredible. The threes he hit late where it's like just dagger after dagger and the Lakers are just like, oh, God. We flew all the way to Portland for this. (laughs) It was absolutely hilarious and I loved every second of it. Penny Simons is amazing. He was incredible. I loved it. And then, of course, we're going to go over to the combo. DeRozan and Levine. And Zachy Cakes, Adam Levine. 27 points for Levine. Zach Levine, 8 of 18, 5 of 10 from down Daniel. 7 rebounds, 5 assists, 27 points. Oh, the quiet 27. 36 for DeMar. He went 3 of 4 from downtown. Not a noted 3-point shooter, DeMar. 13 of 19 from the floor in total. Awesome game. And they just ripped the heart out of the Hornets. Like, the Bulls... I mean, holy shit. Like, what a win because you think about them being on the road. They go to Charlotte and they just took care of business. They beat another good team and they were unreal at the same time. So we're going to go to DeMar Levine and Penny Simons. And I think we might have to give the old uh, approved performance tonight as well. Just the Kings. They make a giant trade. Their entire fan base fucking hates them. The Suvlaki comes, King comes out. He's got a shiner. Looking tough. Uh, cops an elbow in the face in the game. Just got a war wound. Meanwhile, he's throwing lobs everywhere, knocking in shots, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's really fucking good too, though. All right, I'm back on board. So there you go. That's a great, great showing by the Kings as a uh, collective. So they get the NBA Australia approved uh, performance of the night as well. Next to DeMar DeRozan. Hacky's at it. Hack, ah, blah, 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 blah. Too much coffee, Jimmy. Adam Zaki Cakes, Adam Levine, and Penny Simons. You legends! I love it! Who was Spud of the Night, though? Spud, 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 Spud of the Night. I actually just wanted to mention Siakam as well. I kind of gave him a bit of shine, but fuck, he was good in that OKC game. Like 27, 16, and 5. Shot 13 of 17. He was awesome. Anyway, spuds of the night. The flip side of that. Oh, boy. Ah. Trey Mann. 0 of 6 in 
18 minutes. It was absolutely brutal territories for Team Am. 0 of 3 from downtown. Ends up with two points, two assists, and two turnovers. That's a lot of choose and choose and choose. But Dougie McBuckets. Oh, Dougie. 2 of 10 for the Spurs. 0 of 3 in his 28 minutes. He was brutal. Justin Holiday, I mentioned this in his first game in his new digs, flip side of the Suvlaki King, Juzzy went 2 of 11. Keep shooting, bro. It's got to go in eventually. 0 of 6 from 3. Yikes. Uh, but then, of course, over there in Utah, Damian Lee for the Warriors. 27 minutes, 0 points, a negative 22 in the plus minus. He shot 0 of 7 and 0 of 4 from downtown. Oh, man, none of my shots are going in. No, this is not happening. Steph's like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> you, sir, are no Clay Thompson. Uh, tough one. Tough one for Damian Lee. Tough one for Trey Mann. Tough one for Dougie McBuckets. Tough one for Juzzy Holiday. And they're all spuds of the night. Who's old mate, no mates, though? Old mate, no mates. Old mate, no mates. Old mate, no mates. Who's got no mates today? Rusty Westbrook. Ah, oh, we can't win at a high level. We can't win at a high level, bro, bro. We can't win at a high level. You've not even won at a high level yet. Oh, we can't do it with Russell, though. You can't even beat fucking Portland without Russell, though, you idiots. Uh, so tough scenes there for Rusty. As I said, sits out this game with a uh, sore lower back. Woj is out there carrying some water for uh, Rusty uh, later in the day. Oh, yeah, it was actually hurting him a bit yesterday, which is why he didn't really go in. It's like, what? He got benched. Shut up, Woj. They're also trying to figure out a trade for Rusty right now, and they don't want him to get hurt. Obviously, Woj. Settle down, mate. Stop carrying water. You're meant to be a journalist. Uh, Rusty, look, was copying it from all angles all day about the Lakers don't need him. They don't want him. They've realized, fuck it, we need to rip off the Band-Aid, etc., etc., etc. And then they went and lost without him anyway. <laughs> yeah, I hate to see it. Ah, oh, God, it was funny. So, yeah, Rusty... Uh, Verbal meme, Rusty leaning back with a bit of a sneaky look on his face, chuckling to himself. That's him back in the uh, locker room after that game. Pantsing of the night. Fatty, fatty, fat, fat, Kelly Oubre punched Vooch in the face while also viciously dunking on him. Oh, you hate to see it. It was a pretty tough one. Kelly Oubre is like his greatest moment of that game. Uh, Rose up, yammed one on Vooch and also sort of copped him in the face. Punched him as he went through. So, thanks for coming, Kelly. Better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you will get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. We're coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. As long as everybody isn't my little brother. Poku! 18 points, four rebounds, four steals, two blocks. He was great. I mentioned that. Four, four or five from downtown was the stick insect. Unbelievable. The praying mantis, Poku. Uh, but today he's also going to go to Lamelo, thirty-three nine and five with four steals, uh, a little bit better than his older brother, eh? Uh, Twelve or twenty-five shooting, five or ten from downtown. All I want though is Lonzo to come back uh, healthy, feeling good, feeling great for the Bulls. But uh, Lamelo was awesome, and look, it's always one of those classic ones where you're like, yeah, better than Lonzo Ball. How do you think he feels when his little brother is like just lighting up? He's like, oh, that's nice. Can I still beat him in the backyard? Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> Tough scenes. All right, let's do some yeah, Nas. Right after this. 
This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. 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 Alright, let's do some Yanaz. They're brought to you by thedailyliquor.com from East Ninth Brewing. If you're in Melbourne, it's party time. Oh, it's a beautiful day today. I tell you that much. Out here in my Gary Payton jersey all day. Feeling good. Uh, either way, don't waste your time going to the bottle Don't risk getting that Omicron. Bring the bottle to you with thedailyliquor.com. Get it all delivered to your door. All their ripper booze specials on the beer, the wines, the cocktails, everything you need to get loaded in the rest of your summer. Just saying, uh, be over 18, drink responsibly, and uh, be in the Melbourne metro area because that's where they deliver to. And you also get a free sixer of the Dos Blocos XPA if you're banging the code STRAYA when you check out at thedailyliquor.com. Do it right now. You get same-day delivery if you order before noon, so go stock up for the weekend. Bang in the code Straya. Get a free sixer on your mate, Jimmy. Right, some yeah, Nas. Number one, did that? Uh, did the Jazz use that Jingling Joe Ingles contract effectively? Yeah, nah. I mean, as I said at the top, right? We knew this was probably coming. Jingles said that he probably knew it was coming as well, especially after the injury. Even prior to the injury, yet they might have been looking for some extra sort of wing help. And... I feel like they probably used it as effectively as they thought they could have. Uh, so getting Nicky Alexander-Walker and Wancho, if you reckon that's the best use of it, I don't know, man. I still think you're a big wing short. Like, you've got Royce O'Neal, you've got Bojan, you've got Rudy Gay. None of them, to me, are screaming, Aha! I'm going to help you slow down any of the wing scorers in the West when we need to. And Nicky Alexander-Walker and Wancho Hernan Gomez are not those dudes, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a... I like picking up Nicky Alexander-Walker on the cheap from Portland and, like, plugging him in. You actually probably needed another point guard. But at the same time, you could have just brought Dante Exum over from Barcelona once he's finished up there in Spain, and it wouldn't have cost you anything. But I guess this is the tricky part, right? As soon as Sacramento make that trade... uh, for Suvlaki King and realize, yeah, we're not going to burn it down. We're going to keep Harrison Barnes and it's going to cost you more than just the Joe Ingles contract to get him. I mean, you may as well roll the dice on Nicky and Wancho and hope that the combo helps, even though I don't think it will. <laughs> I mean, Wancho is a bloke who hasn't exactly proven that he belongs in the NBA, you know what I'm saying? Like, everywhere he's sort of landed, it's just like, oh, well, he can still shoot. It's like, yeah, can he? Can he? Who can he guard? Oh, he's a bit of a playmaker, is he? It's like, he's like the poor man's Dario Saric, but if the poor man had, like, you know, just lost his fucking house, like, it's weird. Anyway, uh, so look, I feel like they may have probably used that as effectively as they thought they could as soon as they realized they couldn't get, like, yeah, Harrison Barnes or even Mo Harkless. (laughs) I feel like it's weird that they didn't sort of go, hey, OKC, one of your young wings. Can we just get one of those dudes? You get about 80 of them. Can we have one? Anyway. Uh, flip side of that was cutting bait a little bit too fucking quick on Nicky Alexander-Walker, the right idea for Portland. Yeah, nah. 
Nah, it's not the right idea. Like, Nicky Alexander-Walker's got a little bit something-something. So this is why, like, the Jazz, I hope they play him because he's kind of got a little bit of a weird sort of fun turbo aspect to his game sometimes. The problem is, like, yeah, just the sheer, uh, you know, consistent kind of vibe in the NBA is a bit tough for him. But, look, if I was Portland, I'd be like, yeah, man, let's roll it out there. Super, you're still on your fucking rookie contract. This would be awesome. Even if Dame comes back next year, we can still play you behind him or next to him. Off we go. So why not have a look at him instead of shedding more salary, I'd say. Bit weird. Jez Oz has a couple of yeah nahs. Jimmy, CJ to the Pals will set them up for a playoff berth if he can stay on the court. Yeah, nah, kind of, yeah, I think so. I mean, this is what this is what um, yesterday's Flame Girl take was, I think, wasn't it? That the Pals would actually win through the play-in if they, are, you know, have everybody there. And I kind of think this does really, really sort of help them sort of solidify their offense. The defense is going to be the big problem, obviously, but they do have some pretty bloody good role players on the Pelicans team. So CJ, Spindles, Jonas, you've got a couple of good ones there. I think they'll be right. So I think they will probably make... Uh, I reckon they can win through the plans. I think it's not at all uh, beyond the realm of possibility, you know what I'm saying? Because you think about it now, like the Pelicans, they just have like a bit of a groove that they've hit. And... I'd f- I feel like they could beat either the Lakers or the Clippers in a playing tournament game. Maybe, like, the Wolves. Maybe the Nuggets. Who knows what could happen? But, yeah, with CJ, I think it just raises their ceiling like fucking heaps. Uh, Steve Kerr is underrated, says Jez as well, and doesn't get the props uh, for a guy who has three rings as coach should get because of the whole KD super team thing. A conference final this season should be enough to have him talked about with the all-time greats. Wiggins becoming an all-star proves he has the goods to connect with a variety of players. Yeah, nah. Yeah, I think everybody... It is weird that he does get under undervalued as the old Steve Kerr. And I think this year is like great proof of like the development stuff that they've done. They've obviously got Kenny uh, Atkinson there as well, which is really handy, the old uh, Nets coach. Widely known for his development uh, skills. But Kerr having them in such a position this year where it's like they still didn't have clay for like the vast majority of the season. It's just that they've sort of developed their young dudes and he's sort of gotten through to Wiggins to a degree where, yeah, he might be a fake all-star because of the fan vote, but at the same time, like, he's been fucking effective. (laughs) Like, turning dudes like Otto Porter and Belly Belitza and Damian Lee, etc. Well, not maybe not Damian Lee today, but like just you know, pretty consistent contributors here and there, at least to give you little bits and bursts, and to have over forty wins already. Yeah, Steve Kerr is weirdly underrated. It's like Kerr and Spolstra are both weirdly underrated. They both made the top fifteen coaches of all time list, but no one like reveres them like they do Pop and. I think Kerr and Spolstra have probably had a fucking harder job, <laughs> if you know what I mean, like balancing like superstar egos, trying to get it all right, trying to make the mix correct, and they've both won three titles. Like, no, yeah, two for Spolstra and uh, three for Kerr. Spolstra was, you know, an assistant coach on the 06 heat, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, it's a good one from Jez. Uh, and finally, this is the one from me. Harden for Simmons happens tomorrow. Yeah, nah... Yeah, I think it does. 
the heart is sort of flipped on this. The head is flipped on it as well. I think the Nets now are just that sinking feeling that Harden's not feeling it. And as I said earlier, where there's smoke, there's fire on the talks. And as I said, like the Sixers will give him Curry, take back Patty, have to probably throw in Matty T, maybe, or at least someone like that, probably Danny Green. And our dreams of Simo being under Patty's tutelage probably won't happen. That sucks. Uh, but yeah, I think how confident Philly have sounded that they can sign Harden outright this summer is the fly in the ointment, right? Like, it feels like a lot of this is just posturing at this point. Um, and even with, like, Philly going, no, nah, we can just sign him this offseason. Like, we'll trade Simo for peanuts to somewhere that has cap space and, like, they'll be fucking super stoked just to have him. And then we'll trade Tobias. It's like, all right, Daryl Morris, fucking slow your roll. Like, clearing cap space, it's going to take you a little bit. We understand that. But I think if the Nets now know that he wants to go there, and that seems pretty fucking clear at this point, right? Oh, Miami, it's a bit sore. I better sit out these last couple of shitty fucking games I don't want to play. So if they know that he wants to go there, they're sort of... And the Sixers are fucking making it widely known that they can just sign him anyway. Then the Nets are sort of being backed slowly into this corner where they have to get something back for him. And it's obviously easier to do it now rather than try for a sign-and-trade when it's summer. Uh when the threat of him just going, right, fuck it. I'll just sign there as they empty all their salary and get rid of Tobias and Simo and whatever else they need and gut a little bit of their roster. Like, if you want something back for me, you better do it now, says James Harden, and I reckon the Nets will have to bite. So, yeah. It's been a crazy three days just thinking about that, but I think that's where we've landed. I think it happens. All right. Unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look, I ragged on Sacramento for being dumb as hell, and they are. But they still did get some bonus. <laughs> so uh, my favorite thing, though, about all this is, look, you know me. He's been the Suvlaki king for pretty much as long as we've been doing this show. Uh, I fucking love Demarcus Sabonis. I think he's an incredible basketball player. He's wildly undervalued. Yeah, the defense isn't quite there, but, I mean, he's 25. He's already an all-star. And everybody expressing amazement that he's that good are very, very, very much telling on themselves and not watching indie play ever. So, um, But I think the point is, as I sort of mentioned yesterday, right, they didn't get fucking completely fleeced for Tyrese Halliburton because they still did get Sabonis. And I'm still sort of happy to stand by that. Like, As long as you come out of this fucking trade, yeah, he's four years older. Yeah, he's already on a big contract. Yeah, you probably would have liked to have moved off Fox beforehand, but if Darren Fox is not going to get you back a player of, like, Sabonis's caliber, like, maybe you roll the dice and go, maybe uh, Sabonis unlocks parts of this team that we just don't fucking know. Maybe we really like what we've got in Davion Mitchell. Oof. You do have to give up something to get something, as I keep saying, but fuck. It's not as bad as it first felt, right? I'm just saying. All right. Finally, our back takeouts. It's Thursday at our back, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah, two for one blooming onions as a side, I guess. But it's okay, because today we've got a flame-grilled take that comes courtesy of our special guest sous chef, Jez. He's added his own mayo-y dip to the blooming onions. And let me tell you, it looks fucking gross. But you bastard yanks will eat that up, won't you? Because it's deep fried, it doesn't matter. And so now you got the special sous chef 
Jezos and his flame grilled take. Paul George will force his way back in time for the playoffs. Now that he knows he won't have to face Jingling Joe Ingles. Only at Outback. To be honest, I actually love that. <laughs> because Paul George going, oh, my elbow's sore, my elbow's sore. Oh, wait, Jingles isn't going to be on the Jazz? No, I'm good to go. Let's bounce. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I don't care if we play Utah now. Uh, poor Paul George. All right, let's do the Australian Player Watch right after this one. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, Australian Player Watch today, pretty easy. Uh, as mentioned, Jingles, done for the season, but now on Portland. Fascinating to see if Portland do anything else with that uh, contract as well, but feels like uh, they've got maybe one more move in them. I don't know. Uh, giddy. Giddy up. Uh, today against that Toronto team that sort of stomped the thunder. 29 minutes, 13 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, and a steal. Shot 6 of 11 from the floor and 1 of 4 on his threes. And uh, I didn't mention in the game rap, but Rock'em, Sock'em, Block'em, Jock'em, Landau got out there against the Cavs and proceeded to have a 2 trillion. That's a two-minute 0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-
but I'm going to have a beer and relax with some good friends. Aw, jingles. Ugh, go get a win, fellas. I'll always be watching. Ah, And just the outpouring of, uh, of sadness and thanks from the Jazz faithful was kind of one of the more heartwarming aspects, I think, of Joe being traded today. I didn't mention at the top, um, but obviously the work that he and Renee do in the Salt Lake City community and the, like, the Utah wider community, etc., no one takes it for granted. It seems wildly appreciated. And like the work that they've done for autism awareness in Salt Lake City is just absolutely fucking phenomenal. And you do understand that like they're really, really connected to that community. So to have the jazz fans come out like en masse and just like have that big outpouring of like, Joe, we love you, was really, really heartening to see because that's just kind of the dude that Joe Ingles is. And I love the jazz fans see that as much as we Aussie fans do. So I fucking loved it. It was like a weird mix of like sadness that he's being traded from the jazz and uh, like at least a little bit of a shining sort of, uh, you know, shining a little bit of a edge of, what is it, the silver lining on the cloud where you're like, yeah, at least though, all the jazz fans really appreciated everything that he did and everything that he meant for that franchise. All his teammates, his coach, like Quinn Snyder came out and said, Today's a tough day. Like, I can't articulate how much he's meant to our organization and to me personally. Donnie, Rudy, all of them. They fucking love him. So, yeah, it was a bit inspiring to see all that. So, love your guts, Joey. Love your guts. All right, let's do the game previews for tomorrow, though. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, Inverton Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah. Not bad. Getting psyched for uh, Super Bowl on Monday. Should be great. We're going to be hosting that Catfish, NFL Australia. Can't wait. Speaking of which, I don't think I'll be doing a show on Monday. So uh, trade deadline show tomorrow. And then it'll be uh, on for young and old. <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, we went three or six on the picks today. Uh, the lake is just blowing up everybody's uh, stuff. And uh, yeah, I thought Golden State would put up a bit of a fight. And OKC let the Raptors get away with it. So... Bit of a tough one. What can you do? But three or six, you'll still take it. Uh, that leaves us at, for the season, 470 correct picks out of 814 picks total. Not bad, bro. Not bad. Uh, Friday's games. We have seven games tomorrow. And we also have the all-star teams being picked, which is hilarious. This is after the trade deadline has already been and gone. We've got a finals rematch. We've got LeBron and KD picking their teams. It's going to be on for young and old tomorrow. Memphis, go to Detroit. The Grizzlies are nine and a half point favorites. I'm going to take that in a heartbeat. Detroit, a bit of a shell of themselves at the moment. The Grizzlies on a roll. Give me the Grizz in the Motor City. Nine and a half, easy. Washington hosts Brooklyn, who will be sitting there going, oh my God, we now have Ben Simmons on our team. And the Wizards will uh, stomp the Nets. The Wiz being a bit up and down of late. This is a just brutalized, bloody and battered Brooklyn Nets team right now. The Wiz will stomp them. Give me the Wiz minus one and a half. Miami, New Orleans. This is probably the toughest one for me to pick uh, for tomorrow's games because New Orleans have been playing really well. Miami have been playing really well. This is on the road, and the Heat are favorited by four and a half points. I just think Miami's defense might have enough in them uh, to overcome New Orleans. Even if CJ plays, I think it just might change up some of the Pelicans' schemes, etc., they don't have Josh Hart. I think Miami uh, will probably win that one. So give me the Heat minus four and a half. 
Houston hosts Toronto on a back-to-back. I'm going to take the Rockets here, plus six and a half at home. I mean, we know the Raps is good. The Raps are very good. They are on a back-to-back, and their starters have been playing a lot. <laughs> so I'm going to take the Rockets to at least cover. Uh, so the six and a half. Dallas, they host the Clippers. Ooh, that's a tasty, tasty playoff rematch. Uh, I'm going to take the Mavericks, who are on a pretty big roll at the moment to win this one. Minus six and a half, they are. The Clippers, up and down of late. They had been sort of punching above their weight for a little while. They've now got Norm, a couple of new faces. going to make it a little bit trickier. So I'll take the Mavs, minus six and a half at home. Keep their good times rolling. Then we have the finals rematch, baby! This is going to be awesome. Millie Walkay, I hear it's our Gonquin for the good land. Going up against the team they beat in the 2021 NBA Finals. That's right, remember? Milwaukee, Phoenix last year. Unbelievable. Now this one's in Phoenix. The Valley Oop. Remember that? That was great. Uh, Milwaukee go into Phoenix as three and a half point underdogs. I am going to take the Bucks here. Uh, Phoenix have been out executing, kicking ass, taking names. Milwaukee have been very, very good. They do have some sort of wobbly moments here and there, but otherwise, on this road trip, they have been absolutely fucking curb-stomping teams. Well, they drop 137, 137, 131. All they're doing is scoring and being awesome. Phoenix is going to be a very, very tough challenge, but I think the Bucks will keep the good times rolling. I'm taking the Bucks plus three and a half. And then finally, the Knicks on a road trip of their own going to Golden State. The Warriors having just had their asses handed to them by the uh, Utah Yaz. It's a soft J. The Knicks hungry. I reckon, for a win. After a weird trade deadline, who knows if Julius Randle's going to be there. The Knicks are nine and a half point underdogs in Golden State. I There's also reports now. I did. Love, I think I tweeted this out. There's a headline out there that the Knicks have made it known that everybody on their roster is up for a trade. It's like, ah, oh, no shit. A, that's amazing of a headline. Nobody's untouchable. <laughs> B, just fucking do it already. Uh, but I'm going to take the Knicks plus nine and a half. Uh, maybe actually I might switch that around now because yeah, if Clay's going to play tomorrow, Steph got a lot of rest today. I'll take the minus nine and a half Warriors. Yeah, because initially I thought the Knicks ah they make a fight of it, and then you're like ah Golden State just might run away with this, <laughs> fucking kill them, and the Knicks fans would just be even more more depressed after a uh, another lackluster trade deadline, and then the Warriors smash them. It's like what is our season coming to? And there you go. That'll be it. You little ripper will wrap that all up for you tomorrow. But obviously, we'll be wrapping up all of the trade deadline goss. It's going to be absolute chaos, no doubt. Uh, we'll wrap all that. We'll preview the weekend and the following Monday because we won't be doing a show on Monday because of the Super Bowl. Learned my lesson from last year where I was absolutely shit-faced. <laughs> Good times. Uh, but we will be doing like NFL Australia st- streams as well from the Catfish, so go check it out. If you're not going to come down, make sure you come down. You can still get five-buck they're five buck tickets basically to uh, reserve a spot because it's like limited uh, capacity, obviously, the Catfish with all the restrictions still in place. So if you want to come watch the Super Bowl, come down to the Catfish. Check out thecatfish.com.au, get a ticket. Uh, you can hang out with myself and Gaz. We're doing a bit of uh, hosting action beforehand and stuff like that during... Should be fun. Uh, also, subscribe to NFL Australia if you haven't already. We've got a big Super Bowl preview show, so go check that out. And you can hang out with Gaz and I each week, basically. Uh, go check out World Wrestling Australia with Adam over on YouTube. Follow him on uh, Twitter as well, FWCIE. Get around to NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch, and chuck us a rating and review on your podcast app. Come on! 
Just rate and review us. I know you haven't yet. Come on, do it now. Manscaped.com. Use the code Stray. Get 20% off and free shipping there. TheDailyLicker.com. Use the code Stray. Get a free six-pack on your mate Jimmy. If you're in Melbourne, be over 18. Drink responsibly. Get a free sixer, though. How good's that with that code Strayer? And Knowable. Download the Knowable app from your app store. Bang in the code Strayer. And get 20% off getting smarter with Knowable. Big thanks always go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song, but go check out also Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for the tunes that you hear throughout the show. Smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Apple Music, however you listen to your tunes. NBA Australia supports Australian bands, so should you. And we will be back tomorrow with a big trade deadline episode. Cannot wait. And uh, we might just tag a... Uh, cooking with Baines at the end of this one for you. How's that sound? Good? Good. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, you dickheads. This is NBA Australia saying, let's go Simo to the Nets. Woo! Look after yourselves, would you? Talk tomorrow. Later, and now. Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for Cooking with Bainsey with your host, Aaron Bangers Baines. <laughs> g'day, g'day, g'day. Yes, how are you all? Well, look at you over there. <laughs> I see you over there again, Cheryl. Yes, we know that you love it. Oh, this is great. Yeah, g'day. Welcome to Cooking with Bainsey. I am your host, Aaron Bangers Bainsey. All right, so this here episode, we're going to whip up one of my absolute favorite Australian staples. You can have it whenever as well, at night, for dinner, after a big night on the turps. It's that absolute Aussie classic. It is Hawaiian pizza. Oh, yes. That's right. I love me some Hawaiian pizza. And it's easy as to make, mate. I mean, it definitely helps keeping up this physique, if you know what I mean. I reckon I probably cook about three of these bloody things a week, you know what I'm saying? And also, hey, just just for yous out there as well, don't bloody listen to anyone who says shit about pineapple on pizza. They can go and do what I tell every centre in the Eastern Conference of the NBA. They can go fuck themselves, all right? You can put whatever the fuck you want on pizza. It's pizza. All right, so anyway, Hawaiian pizza is bloody simple, mate. All you got to do is go down to your soupy and grab yourself a pizza base. I love the spongier, thick ones, you know. Grab a thing of tomato paste. Now, don't bother with the fancy pants shit with basil or oregano in it unless you want to be, like, all fancy pants and shit because uh, then you just grab a bunch of shredded ham from the deli Grab a bag of shredded cheese. Now, you can have mozzarella, cheddar, home brand, whatever you want. Doesn't matter. It's just bloody cheese. And the key ingredient, a tin of pineapple chunks. Now, it's pretty easy to whip this bad boy up, so let's get to it. All right, here we go. Now, just whip your base out. There you go. All right, now smother it with the tomato paste. Yep, there you go. Smooth it out a bit. Just make sure it's all over the inside thing. Now... Dump your ham on there. Yep, all this shredded ham. Now, oh, get your fingers amongst that. Shove that to the edges. There you go. 
Spread that out nice and even. Yep, there you go. All right, now cover this liberally with the dead pig. Come on, man. You've got to put the ham everywhere. You just need hoops and hoops and hoops of ham. Just make sure it's the nice shredded stuff, though. All right, now drain your pineapple into the sink. Or you can, you know, you can drain it into a cup and uh, drink that pineapple juice, you know. What bloke doesn't like a cup of pineapple juice, you know what I'm saying, ladies? Yeah, there we go. Now, fang the chunks of pineapple on there. Just put it everywhere, you know, just throw it around. And then cover up the entire bloody thing with your shredded cheese. All right. Now, we've got this oven over here. Just wang her in there in the oven. There you go. Just for a good 15, 20 minutes at about 220 degrees Celsius. None of that Fahrenheit bullshit. Now, sit back, grab a tin, and let her cook. Oh, doesn't that bloody well smell delicious? All right, now here's one we made a little bit earlier. So you can see once it's browned and a bit on the edges and all your cheese is all melty and nice, you whip her out, you chop her up into slices, and Bob is your bloody pizza-loving uncle. Now, give it a sec to cool down before you chow down. Don't burn your bloody tongue because that cheese will be hot as buggery, eh? So, all right, now it's there. Just get your bloody munch on. And that is an absolute bloody ripper of a meal. The best bit is, and this will impress everyone, right? You can cook it whenever you want. Mates, the missus, kids, everyone bloody loves Hawaiian pizza. And if they don't, just give them the old bangers, don't argue, and go tell them to cook their own bloody pizza. Because this is just bloody delicious, mate. All right, how easy was that? Cool. There you go. That is absolutely unreal. Love me some Hawaiian pizza. All right, so that's it for this week. Tune in next week for a new recipe, and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsy.